Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Latham Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. You got Brownie with you. Yeah, he's super needy today. He came to the nail shop with me. So on Thursdays, Copper goes to the daycare. So he gets really lonely. So Brownie is lonely because Copper goes to daycare. Why can't Brownie go to daycare? He's been scared of daycare lately. We took three months off when Copper had pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And now he doesn't want to go back. So he just kicks it with me. I take him to work. Take him everywhere. He's pocket size. Look at him. Look at him. Look at Brownie. Look at Brownie. Look at you, baby. Uh, Rachel, how are things going with you? How's, how's your, how's your rest been? I'm tired. Working on something late nights. I'm so tired. What you mean? You know, I am. You like Drake. Uh, I'm up in the studio late night, every night. Remember that song? (laughs) Yes. Donnie, you remember that song? I am. In the studio late night, every night, 40 in the, (laughs) don't want to make him sick. That's my nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying? Remember that shit? That's I'm like, yeah. I'm going to leave here. I got another eight hours to go. After this? Another... Yes. God damn, nigga. My call time is at eight. Your call time is at eight o'clock. And then you got to go and do that. This, But this is what, this is what, this is the sacrifice, Rach. What this am I sacrificing? Is the sacrifice. This is the, you sacrifice all kinds of things to go get what you want. This is the, we all know. This is the sacrifice. Yeah, it's worth it at the end of the day, but. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I'm not tired. You don't like I'm it. so you, tired. You want... Not what's, you, what's, like what's Rachel's ideal life? Like, how would your life go? I don't know. I don't know. I think it, it would be boring to plan out my ideal life. I like surprises. Like, what I'm working on right now, that's a surprise. If I had planned my life, this wouldn't be in it. So I don't want to plan it. No five-year plan, no 10-year plan. Um, but I will tell you a plan I have this weekend. Okay, tell me. I am finally going to see Usher. Oh, oh, like, like, so you're going to see Usher, <laughs> you're going to see Usher at, uh, in Vegas? In Vegas. Oh, daddy. 24 hours, oh. 24 hours, flying mm-hmm. down, dinner, concert, home. Flying down, dinner, concert, That's home. It. All right, mm-hmm. so Usher, you're going to see Usher, maybe five songs Usher has to do for you. Oh my gosh. Oh. Okay, okay, I'll go. Uh, you don't have to call. <laughs> he has to do. Uh, can you, you just help me? You're naming five songs. Uh, I'm really like, thinking about okay, this. Okay, like go. I right, go for it. I want bedtime. Okay. I want. I like you. Don't have to call. I want. Um. I want. Yeah. Okay. I he want. Actually, doesn't have to do yeah for me, but I get it. I want, yeah, it just reminds me of a, of a certain time. Like, Usher reminds me of memories, confessions, but I want one and two, and I want bad girl. I need a bad girl. So no throwback for you? I did too. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was like, I was like, there are throwbacks. It's like I'm so not, That's actually, I'm Usher. not really into that song. That's oh, what I'm excited about. I love throwback. You got to be greedy. You got to miss it, my baby. Because I'm, I'm picturing which, which song is going to have me out of my seat. I'll probably be out of my seat the whole time. Dancing. It's like, mm-hmm. what, what's going to make me feel something? You Those like are it. it. But I mean, like, every Usher song, except for the one you just named, is pretty much on my list. I bet I could look up the set list, too. But, you know, he brings the skating to it. 
Yeah. I'm just, I'm very excited. Just to I like, sing. I like songs that other Usher songs that other people don't. I like, I like that song Climax. You remember that song? Climax <laughs> wasn't bad. It's not my like, favorite. Like okay, I, I looked up the set list. Climax okay, was the on list? there. Oh, really? Throwback is not. If this is, oh, love in the club, absolutely. How could I forget that? That I uh, absolutely that, want has to be go, there for me. I could me. go without hearing that shit. I'm not going to bullshit. You know what I could go without? My boo. And that's on here. Uh, my I could sucks. go without my boo. Uh, it doesn't yeah, suck. Yeah. I don't care about it. You remind me. Uh, you remind me. It's a good one. And it's you, not. It's not. Oh, it is on here. Y'all hate, right. y'all hate on 8701. 8701 is Usher's best album. Well, didn't we talk about this? It's we not did. the best album. I don't care. We That's talked fine. about well, this. We don't have to do it again. But y'all, y'all hate on 8701. I'm looking at 8701 right now. It's so many goddamn joints on 8701. Look at Brian Michael Cox going crazy everywhere. Shout out to B. Cox going nuts everywhere. He did do U-turn though. So that's a ding for you, Brian Michael Cox. But <laughs> but uh, shout out to B. Cox, one of the greatest of all time, one of the best ever. But yeah, I love 8701. I'm happy you're going to see Usher. You're excited. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Um, so what about I'm not my too way? tired for What about my way? You like that? Love I it. do anything, well, everything Well, because remember Tyrese was in to. the video and uh-huh. oh, this is such a fun time. He I'm going to be 16 again. Right, right. Are you going to go backstage? Uh, no, can you hook that up? Um, uh, probably. Let me ask you a question. If if <laughs> if you if Usher invited you Pulls backstage, me up on stage, would, would you? Would, I mean, you're a married woman. Would you go? Why would I not go backstage? I'm gonna be I'm with three sure. other girls. It's not for me. What if he? Just if he said, invited me by myself, what if he no. just said? So if Usher just said <laughs> no. uh, Usher just skates over to you. He skates backwards. <laughs> like, it, like, <laughs> Usher skates over to you. He skates backwards. He invites you backstage. Do you go backstage? Not by myself. Not by yourself. For what? For what? Maybe he just wants to like talk. Now, you know if I mean? he invites me on stage, mm-hmm. like he does sometimes, yeah. I'm going. If if Usher invites you on stage and he gives you like, like a lap dance, is that kosher? I believe it is. Is that that a performance? It's a performance. performance. Like the girl that was mad about, or the the, the guy that was mad because his girl got a dance from Chris Brown. He was bugging, right? Like if Janet Jackson pulled Brian up on stage, I would be recording. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brian probably at this point deserves that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get him started. (laughs) Oh, speaking of, speaking of, Speaking of something, um, I wanna I wanna call something out because I don't know what's going on over on the Reddit. I don't. I haven't been there. I promised myself that I wouldn't okay, go on well, over the Reddit. But I had on? somebody, I had somebody reach out to me, and they wanted me to put something on Donnie's radar. Donnie, could you please please pop in so people can see you? By the way, can you please pop in so people can see Donnie? Okay, that's Donnie right now, guys. All right. So, okay, that that's Donnie. Five heartbeats, Donnie. Okay. He was making fun of my yeah. Right. Oh, yeah Rachel's I laughing. Well, look I don't want to say. I don't want to say anything, but I also know. I wasn't planning Donnie, on being on camera. I also know your hair. And Van did this on purpose. They just pop in Donnie. Yeah. Donnie I also yeah. know your hairstyle, so it makes sense exactly why your hair is wrapped up like that. I too yeah. had my hair wrapped up yeah. like that last night. I wish I had. You gotta have it I conditioned. Wish. Yeah, Van is jealous. I don't have skin. Go what? 
Donnie. Wait, what did she say? You said it's all skins. <laughs> all skins. <laughs> That's right, Donnie. Fuck, fuck that shit. Uh, go for you. Okay, so there's a guy that hit me up um, on the Reddit. Uh, and he's I don't know if he's a troll or not, but he wants to have a conversation. <laughs> I want to have this. I want to ask Rachel about this real quick. He says, I know you've seen I upset the Reddit. Now they want to block me. They want group things. I wasn't, I wasn't even being disrespectful. <laughs> I defended my point. Uh, now the lightning thief, who is one of the mods, I think, on the Reddit, uh, they want to silence me. That's lame. I came back and I was like, nah, catch me up. LOL. What happened? I'm just a messy bitch is the problem. And he goes, he defended Kevin Samuels and Andrew Tate. I simply okay, said well, their arguments uh, sir, are valid. What, <laughs> sir, where, where are we supposed to go with this? He said, I simply said their you arguments are valid. You see, he wrote you and not me. He went to a man, right. a misogynist. And, I, and he said, and I got attacked. And I just replied, LMAO, because that's hilarious. He goes, <laughs> I know. It's cool, though. I just don't think I should be blocked for it. I would appreciate if Donnie or somebody could pass that along to the mod. Donnie, the reason why I asked you to pop in is because like, doesn't he have a point? I mean, these opinions sound like they're fucking steaming hot trash, but I didn't <laughs> see the exchange, so I don't know if he called people out of their names or whatever, but should somebody be banned on the Reddit simply for having an opinion that people don't like? And that That's not right. <laughs> right? That's not thought warriory. I feel it's, like you should be able to post your steaming hot trash is he, and for it to be flanked. Is he a repeat offender? I don't know much about him. He he. That like, would be I, my only question. I do see how he has continued to cut women out of the picture. You're defending two people, which I, I, I'm open for conversation as well. Like, obviously, we're all in agree. I don't even know what his stance was, but the fact that you said Andrew Tate and Kevin Samuels, it can only go downhill from there. But I'm not opposed to him having the opportunity to talk, but if he's harassing people or if he's done this time and time again to the group, which is what I would like to think, and that's why the mod silenced why, him. Why did, why did you, why I'm are you forced, thinking that? Why are you thinking that? Well, because that's why I would do it. If he continued to do it, I'm assuming, <laughs> but if he continued to yeah. do it, that's what I would say. Or, you know, you're on suspension. Maybe there's a rule. <laughs> so, so we, so, so <laughs> we went from, so we're, we're assuming now that this, this gentleman right here, uh, is is a is actually harassing offender. people or a repeat offender. We're making a lot of leaps here. I'm just saying, I don't give a fuck what happens, but we're well, making I a asked. lot of leaps here. Oh, you're asking the question. Okay, I see. I asked. I asked. I asked. That's what I would think was fair, is I guess is my point. If he's continued to do this, then it would be fair. But a suspension. Because we don't want to get in the habit of kicking people do, out. Continue to do what though? If he continued to I don't know to, what he said. That offended yeah. people so much. I didn't, I didn't see it. it. Do you know? I just posted in the chat. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys see. can pull it Let up. Let me see what he said. You it, did? It's, what it's, chat? Okay, let's see. Oh, it's there it is. Long. Sorry. It's let's like see what he said. Let's look, let's look at it. One thing. This is what it was posted. One thing the villains... And by the way, we're not here to police the Reddit. It's not our Reddit. It's you guys' Reddit. And I don't want to fucking mm -hmm. be a part of it. So you guys can have it. But I think this is an interesting thought exercise here. One thing the villains of the Thought Warrior community have in common is the shock drop trait. And in, clout, in a clout attention-driven economy, it's a necessary evil. But I think some of their main messages are solid. And it is intellectually dishonest, blind to dismiss them out of hand. Kev Kevin Samuels promoted black families and traditional values, not misogyny. Andrew Tate promotes 
Fewer male losers and combating suicide rates amongst young men. More and more black women go to college and make more money only to find more PlayStation 5 players looking for surrogate mothers than black male business owners. And the men that do go to college end up with a white woman. To crap on Kevin Samuels and to boil down Tate to a single soundbite is ideological capture. Biden is a status quo corpse. Trump represents a disruption to the status quo because the status quo isn't working. That's fucking bullshit. But whatever. He's transactional, but transactional can be fair. Between the CIA proliferating uh, crack, the war on drugs, mandatory minimums, and the war on poverty that incentivized black single motherhood, bullshit, the black family is really capitalized to be. I think some of you need to get out of your bubble, <laughs> your bubble and know that you won't agree with everything people like at Trump, Tate, or Samuels, or even Jordan Peterson say, but there is merit to their argument. And to say that there is none is a lack of intellectual honesty. Is this the post in question? This is the there post There is absolutely in zero reason to ban him for that post. Like, when I say zero, now, almost, like, now, let, let, let me t- make my opinion. I think that's pseudo, I think that's pseudo intellectual mumbo jumbo and garbled garbage from somebody that, that truly believes it. I don't agree with any of it. I don't think any of those things are, are linear. I've listened to way more tape than just one soundbite. There's very little of it. There's, hold on, there's zero of it that's useful to me. Donald Trump represents the status quo as much as any other political figure in American history. He, 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 in a way, was an unorthodox politician in terms of the way he communicated. But in terms of who Donald Trump is, status quo all the way. And to get to that point, you kind of got to be status quo. So all of that's bullshit. However, that post right there, if that's the post that got you banned, that's kind of what I'm talking about. That guy is wrong, but I didn't see anything disrespectful or out of the or, or out of bo- out of the box about that piece of communication right there. I don't. I just I really don't agree. I feel like people hopping in the comments and actually uh, like participating in the discourse is what posts like this are for. And then if it is overwhelmingly like skewed one way, which it seems like this one is, he gets labeled a weenie or a weenie is Maximus, which is what it is at the top. And I feel like that's a good way to handle it and like <laughs> unlock these comments so that people can post and participate in look, the flaming. Look, you guys, it's I a, don't it's, think he should be banned. Uh, <laughs> unless... <laughs> I don't, I, I, I really, I don't. I don't okay. think that from one post, he should be banned. I really, really don't. I, I, I would like to think, and I'm hoping that something else happened. And that's why the mods took such an extreme, because I think it's extreme, took such an extreme measure. Because this is extreme, y'all. Like, if, you, if you listen to anything about the podcast, you know it's an open dialogue. We don't shut people down who come on with crazy takes, we challenge it. You know what I mean? We go at it, but we don't, we don't say, have we banned anybody from the podcast? Yeah, you banned Jack? Act last week. You banned Act last, last week. Jack? Last week. Yeah. Do we ban Jack? Jack? Just, you, just, you just banned Act. You just banned Act from the podcast. I'm just, I'm just joking. But no, nobody's banned from Ireland. Yeah. Like, yeah nobody's like, banned from Ireland. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was fun. Uh, you guys do whatever you want with your Reddit. It's just, I, I, I really don't think that some of y'all are thought worse. I don't. I I, I don't think okay. that some of you guys are thought worse. I don't. I, let me say this. I think I think I personally think that in order to 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 call yourself that, 
that you have to be willing to accept your perspective being challenged. Now, there's a limit that everybody has. I personally don't believe that that is the limit. But Rachel, would it change your mind if? Well, what I was going to say is, I want to first say I know we go we go at the Reddit a lot, but I appreciate the people who created it. Like you created a community for people to go back and forth. And I, and, and so, because he's mad at the mods. So I at least want to give the mods a shout out because you created this space. It's, you know, it's a space that's growing where people can reflect and comment, whether positive or negative, and have this discourse about what we discuss on this podcast. And I'm sure that that's not an easy job for you to be able to moderate and do all that. So first I want to say thank you for that. But this is extreme. I'd love to hear from Ahmad. I'd love to, unless you want to re- remain nameless, have faceless. A, love faceless. to have a mod. You can remain. They might want to be faceless. Might want to be. But I would love, love to, to hear from a mod. Yeah, yeah. I would love to hear. Okay, okay. All that right. was it. Uh, we have an interview. It's kind of long. It's a back and forth on the gun debate. It's with Jason Ja Lee of Bossup. Guys, I'm sorry. He's one of my friends. I I hate it. You guys hate everything. He's like this guy I know. Very talented writer. Um, and a licensed firearm instructor who wants to talk the entire conversation of gun culture. I see a little bit later. But first, we're going to get to some politics. Okay, uh, Justin Pearson has been sent back to the House after his expulsion. Local officials unanimously voted on Wednesday to send Justin J. Pearson back to his seat in the state legislature. The unanimous vote by seven Dem- Democrats allows Mr. Pearson to be sworn in to see this earliest Thursday, which, did that happen already? I'm not sure. Uh, the board's yeah, four he's Republicans, he's already been sworn in, were absent and did not vote. Both Jones and Pearson have vowed to run for their seats later this year in special, in special elections, and I cannot uh, imagine them not winning. Rachel, your thoughts? Um, well, my thoughts on him getting back his seat I expected that to happen. I know we right. talked a little bit about it last time. Um, and that, and I'm, and I am glad, let me say this, because when we first heard this, it was, how does this, this, how does the state legislature have this type of power where they can do this to an elected, uh, member of, of, of their legislature? So I love that there is a checks and balance to where it's like, oh, you want to do that? Well, we can do this and go right back in. And I also love it because it makes them look like idiots. And it it brought even more attention to it. And it gave, I didn't see Justin Jones when he came back, but I did see Justin Peterson's speech and it gave him a platform and an opportunity to say, you thought you won, you didn't. We're not going anywhere. He had a very uh, passionate speech and he talked about, you can try to expel this and this, but you won't expel this fight. And I loved it. And he had the whole audience inside and outside riled up. So, yeah, it was mm. it was a great thing to see. Yeah. I just love um, that they're so embarrassed. They got like their tail between their, their legs. They got great, so embarrassed it was a great by thing. this. It was, it was a great <laughs> thing to see. And it's also proof positive that, you know, for everyone that talks about the noise that's created on social media or at different places, that that doesn't matter. Sure. It can be like, some of the reactions on Twitter can be draconian. Um, things can be uh, overhyped. They can be overzealous. They can be way too cruel. But also, what people think and the ability for people to meet minds from all different parts of this country, it's important. And people saw a great, great, great injustice happening in Tennessee. And I think 
in terms of a political injustice. I'm not talking about the same way of somebody being killed or hurt, but I thought it was a political injustice. And I think a lot of the critical eye that's been uh, kind of turned on Tennessee has resulted in this slight, slight kicking of the nuts of mm-hmm. Cameron Sexton and the rest of the people in the, the, uh, the House. But it's also exciting. You know, we talked about, you know, you gave your, um, we talked about your opinion on Justin Jones and how he had told uh, the guy who had the office next to him to vote against him and what that means and what that represents. So it's exciting to see two young, I mean, I don't know how Justin Jones is. I know they're, th- they're the two youngest currently there, but I know Justin Peterson's 28. So to see a 28-year-old stepping out and doing it like this, it's exciting. Yeah. And especially going into a national, we're about to have a national election. That, I think, is something that we should be talking about as well. Because these aren't two individuals who just popped up on the scene and took advantage of a moment because it's it was hot right now. Mm-hmm. These two young brothers have been working in the community, been dedicating their life to this. And so I'm excited to see what happens from here on out. And maybe it Maybe somebody young watching this is like, I want to be just like the two Justins. I want to do that. That's what's cool about this, because we don't see that like this this often, particularly where it makes national media. Not saying it's not happening on a local or regional level, but this is everybody's talking about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both Justins, the two Justins down there. uh, I implore you. I implore you. To smooth out your policy to be unimpeachable in terms of what your vision and what your goals are in terms of being public servants are right now. The scrutiny that you're about to receive is going to be different than anything Mm -hmm. that you've received before. And that's not just going to be coming from white people. We've already seen these brothers scrutinized by black people. And a lot of you might have problems with that, but I'll tell you this. Uh, As black Americans, there is a, some of us, I won't speak for everyone, there is a reflex to wonder who the next agent is. So when somebody pops up and people start digging through their shit, they're trying to find out whether or not these people are these people can be trusted. It's not something that I think is necessarily positive or nutritious that we do. It's 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 not something like that. It's not something great. But it's just it is something that happens. And the place that it comes yeah. from is from hurt and insecurity. Um, now Tucker Carlson is not black. However, mm. he had some things to say uh, about uh, Justin Pearson. Now, there's been a video going around, uh, going around about Justin Pearson when he was in college. And, you know, he was talking about running for a student body there. And he sounded different than he sounds now. It's facts. It's like, he's, yeah, he does. He sounded different. He sounded different. Donnie, do we have side-by-side audio? I do. Um, okay. okay, so play it. Play, play what he sounded like then and play what he sounded like now. Let's just talk about it. It's a stupid thing, but let's discuss it. Okay. One has to do with representation. How can we represent all voices in a conversation? I want to bring together different voices, dissenting voices, voices that may be more liberal or more conservative, in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle where conversation and dialogue happens and growth happens. Join the People's Pearson campaign and let's chart ourselves to a better future. All hope seemed to be lost. Representatives were thrown out of the state house. Democracy seemed to be at its end. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. 
But oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. But oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Donnie, uh, play what Tucker said. Okay. Justin Pearson has a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, everyone will do exactly what he wants or else face indictment by the Department of Justice. Justin Pearson has changed quite dramatically, as you can see. He transitioned from a crypto white kid into the modern incarnation of Martin Luther King Jr. himself. It's remarkable, really. But he's not alone in that. You see this all the time. Everybody in the Democratic Party wants to be Martin Luther King at this point. Even Joe Biden, who during the famous March on Washington was enjoying the many benefits of life as a college student in a racially segregated state. Now, he's MLK. They all are. But you've got to ask yourself, as long as we're mimicking civil rights leaders who died almost 60 years ago, why not some variety? You never see politicians transition into, say, Malcolm X. Why is that? Maybe because Malcolm X didn't talk like a sharecropper. He spoke dignified standard English. He wasn't running a shakedown racket to fleece guilty white liberals. Malcolm X had self-respect, so he despised guilty white liberals, and he said so. He believed in self-improvement. He knew who the enemy was. So, so wait, he's saying Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Sounds like a sharecropper. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what? I, okay. This is one of go, those go brilliant pieces of media that Tucker Carlson has ever put out. Please keep going. Okay. So... Tucker Carlson just did something and it's it's imperative that people understand. Number one, he, he accomplished three things. One, he dog-whistled to the base that watches Tucker Carlson. The age-old trope that if you enunciate your voice in a certain way, and that if you talk in a certain way, that you are speaking and acting white. The video of Justin Pearson when he's walking around his campus um, at his college and he's communicating uh, represents someone at the beginning of their political career who probably thinks that there's a certain way that they have to be. He's talking about the radical middle there. There are certain realities about things that might have not even appeared to Justin Pearson yet, right? We all understand that nobody is fully formed at 21. We get that. 20, whatever it is, we understand that. So to compare somebody who's into their political career to someone who's in college is stupid unless you're telling America that there's this cartoonish nigger version of him that he's putting forth right now and there is a version of him that was white which means he's buttoned up in a suit and he's enunciate his enunciating in the king's english that's number 1 number 2 uh Tucker Carlson also in this same sort of video he big upped Malcolm X, which yes, a lot of people aren't going to be able to see past. There are going to be people that say, hey, what Tucker Carlson just did wasn't a diss of black culture. It was a compliment to one of the most intelligent thinkers and orators in the history of black America. 
Americans and an absolute cultural rebel. And there are going to be people that go, fuck, goddamn, Justin Pearson does look like an agent. And Malcolm X is the truth. The third thing that he did was he completely disrespected and dissed not only the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but Southern blacks, period. And he never even had to say nigger. He never even had to say it. When I watched this, I was like, huh, this is both the most, one of the most disgusting segments of the of Tucker Carlson show that I've ever seen. But it also shows why we need to understand both politically and socially and culturally who the fuck we're dealing with. Because I can guarantee you right now, guarantee you right now that that video in a certain part of black America is doing fucking numbers. Is doing numbers because of what we just talked about. And it's also doing numbers because of the way that they wrapped it up. Anyone with, anyone who's been mildly paying attention shouldn't be moved. But I know that some people are. Moved because of his compliment towards Malcolm X. Moved because of the whole thing. Moved because it looks like it, it on his on his face, right? I, and I saw mad people post that video of the side by side of him. On his face, it looks like this guy is fake. Now, let's be honest. The video of him talking in the state house, that's OD. If I was right there, I'd have been tugging on his shit like, Calm it down a little bit, my G. But, you know, the reality is that people have influences. People see people who they want to talk like. I study Malcolm X all the time to try to talk like him, and I just can't fucking do it. He's too smart, and he never lets his emotions get the best of him. Um, but to me, that doesn't signify anything. But the difference there is so stark that you can, you can feed that to people, and what they give you back is <laughs> fake, 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 plant, 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 while also making a point about Southern Blacks, the way we talk, and about the differences between Dr. King and Malcolm X. Like, these motherfuckers ain't playing, and y'all better do the reading, because like, I guarantee you it's going to be something that fall for it. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I, when I saw the video of uh, Justin Pearson in 2016. It made me laugh. And I thought, there's probably a video of me out there like that. Not that I ran for president. (laughs) 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 And let me explain my point. Oh, Donnie, you got to find it. (laughs) No, I don't. I mean, I didn't run for student body president in college. Um, But I guess the point that I'm making is it's something that you pointed to. People not change their intention, their values, their morals, but they're affected by things that happen to them in life. And so that's 2016. It's 2023. You don't know what kind of journey that Justin Pearson has been on where Maybe he was code switching, which I could care less if that's what he was doing in 2016 in a majority white 
uh, college and he was doing what he needed to do. Because when you listen to what he's saying with his message, he still is talking about being for the people. So if he was code switching, I don't care. If he wasn't code switching and that's really who he was, but still was had a message and an intention of fighting for the people. But since then, has either studied someone. Let's not forget that his father is a preacher. His parents are very involved, uh, were activists. I mean, when he was in high school, they were talking to the school board about the inadequacy of the schools that they were attending and the books that they had and the facilities. So he grew up in this. You, a, a preacher's kid, he could very well just be imitating his father. You have no idea what the basis is and and. and when if people are getting distracted by the things that Tucker Carlson said, which I don't disagree with you, I'm sure they are. This is the problem of not doing the research to understand how Justin Pearson got to the place that he is. It's not a fad. He's not just pretending to be Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or somebody else. This is a man who's passionate about what he does. He ran for government in college as a black man at a predominantly white school. He fought, wasn't it 2020? He got that pipeline removed um, from the area based on things that he had seen his his, his own family members being affected by community, uh, I mean, uh, from cancer. And so wanted to make sure that that pipeline did not go through and affect black people in the community of Memphis or just people in Memphis in general. Like this is a man who is dedicated to activism, to people. And so to get caught up in the way he's saying it is a red herring. And and yeah. and and and, yeah. I, and the reason I make the joke about me is because you don't even have to go as far to college. You could probably find footage and go ahead, Donnie, of the batch of me as the it's bachelorette the from 2017. No, 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 it's but this is important. Funny. 2017 yeah. to 2018. Uh, before I, while I was under contract and before I specifically started pointing out to things to call out uh, the issues that I was seeing within that Bachelor franchise, you could probably find footage and I sound maybe a little bit different than I do on higher learning. Matter of fact, my sorority sisters were like, I like you on higher learning. For a while, we thought we lost you. God. <laughs> Flat out. Look, Flat out. And, and it is what it but is. It, it did. But it didn't change who I was or what I of believe course. in or my intention. And so that's what I want people to realize about Justin Pearson. This is a distraction yeah. from Tucker Carlson. It's and let's definitely not, a distraction. And let's not also forget that he put up a picture when he was talking about Justin Pearson. He had a picture of Rachel Dolezal. Yeah. And when he was talking about, it's so, that's blackface what she's doing. That's blackface. So also, just guys, just remember the litany of things that have happened in the world since this man was in college. Charlottesville. Yeah. Trump. All of these things. Whatever. Okay. Um, uh, Tim Scott going to be the president. He's running for president. You, uh, it's Tim Scott. He's forming an exploratory uh, committee to, to look into running for president. Whenever they do this, they're probably going to run. Rachel, your thoughts? Um, first off, I didn't, what what kind of video was this? I had never seen that before. It looked like he was running for president, but what was it called? I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Like a video. It's like a, it's a video. Wait, it's no. A video for him. But running. it wasn't. But it wasn't. Wait. Okay, wait. Either cut this out, Donnie, or let me look at let me look it up. It wasn't. It was a presidential exploratory. He launches a presidential exploratory committee. Does that mean he's announcing that he's running? No, this is what, what is they a, always what do. What is the presidential? <laughs> I've a, a president, never seen that, they, what they that do title. Is they, oh, you've never seen it? They, 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 what they do is they say, hey, I've launched an exploratory committee to look never into running for president. And then they'll do that 
And then it's just like a formality almost. It's like, oh, after this, I'm going to run for president, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it technically, wow. it, it just, allows you to start raising money. And then if you do decide right. to run, you can use that money to run. Right. So he announced that and then announced presidency? He hasn't announced that he's Rachel, officially what the hell is running. going on right now? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you're like... <laughs> if you knew the amount of sleep that I was going on, no, 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 it's a no, miracle. No, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that I've done what I've done at this point. Right. No, but wait, he's, he's, did he's he, launching. Did, did, did he officially announce that he's running for president? No, but this means that he okay. probably is. Okay. Uh, they they sometimes they announce these exploratory committees and then they don't run, but most of the time when they do, from my memory, they go, "Hey, I'm looking into this," and then they run because they built they they're they're raising money like Donnie said to run. So he's this is probably for the most part Tim Scott's soft opening of his presidential campaign. Okay, when I saw the video, I thought that he was running. Okay, just to be clear, I to he me is. I, that and that's. And and that's what confused me because then I saw the title and I was like, wait a second, is he running or is he not running? So he's running. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. He's what running. do I think about this? I mean, I think that Tim Scott doesn't have any friends. I feel like nobody is telling Tim Scott that this is not the direction that you should be going. I thought I found certain parts of the video extremely interesting, specifically him starting out the video talking about 1861 and the Civil War, but never mentions slavery. He never mentions being black. He never mentions black people. He talks about every I thought I was listening to Will Ferrell in the campaign at some points. If you've never seen. No, it was everything. God, uh, faith, family, freedom. I thought right. found it interesting that he called America she, but then talked about how he was pro-life, you know? So, you know, calling it a she, but you don't seem to be standing with women when it comes to protecting their rights. I just find the whole thing interesting. I thought it was interesting that he, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Just my interest is piqued. I think this is a bad move. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think he's got an uphill battle. Um, there's a lot of people throwing their names. There are a lot of people throwing their names in the hats for president for uh, running for uh, president on the Republican side. I don't think they really stand a chance. I think it's interesting that in the video he also called out that people say that he's a token. You are. You are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. At this we and I mean you posted a picture of him and called him pretty much that and and worse. But I think that the issue with with Tim Scott is you're a token because of the what what you represent with the Republican Party, but also the lack of what of you representing yourself as a black man with power in the Senate. And I don't expect you to do to change that as you're running for the presidency. So you know what I want to do? I looked into Tim Scott's voting record. Um I looked into it on um, 538. They have mm -hmm. every everybody's voting record. Right. Um, and times that he voted with and against Trump. Uh, Tim Scott is no friend of Black America. And I don't think he's... Uh, hold on. It's not that Tim Scott isn't a friend of Black America. It's that Tim Scott has impeded Black America. So let's understand that. I'm not saying that Tim Scott yeah. isn't a good Black man. 
I'm, I don't know anything about it. What I'm saying is he's impeded things mm-hmm. that I think Black Americans need, right? Um, what was interesting about his voting records are the times that he didn't vote with Trump. Because he votes with them 93% of the time, but the times that he didn't, to me, represent, I think, a change in who Tim Scott thought he was early on and who he ended up, who, who he ended up becoming. Okay. Um, and it's interesting. We don't have time to get to it today, but uh, I'm uh, like, I want to know. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, look, t- look, we don't have, I, I'm going to make it a little bit ro- more robust. Tim Scott is okay. as bad as we think he is, but in my, in my opinion, but when I looked at his voting record, the times that he didn't vote with Trump were super interesting to me. All of that's on 538 right now. It's up right now. It's, uh, 538.com, Congress, uh, dash Trump, dash score, backslash Tim Scott. You can go see that right now, or you could just like fucking Google it. But, um, it was interesting to me, the things that he broke with him on. We'll talk about it in, in greater detail, uh, on another show, probably like maybe next week, maybe next Thursday. We can do that if you guys are into that. If not, who fucking cares? Nobody that listens to us is voting for Tim Scott. Um, he's a terrible candidate. He's not going to win. Um, and in, in my opinion, um, he's one of, the biggest political disappointments and one of the major, major, major impediments between black people and rights that they so desperately need. Let's take a break Mm. real quick. All right, we're going to stay real quick on politics, but politics and entertainment. Stephen A. Smith. Okay. Stephen A. Smith, somebody who we had here on the podcast, had a very refreshing back and forth with Stephen A. Smith. He was speaking at the Semaphore Media Summit, and he spoke about his relationship with former President Donald Trump. Donnie, give me the audio. I knew Trump before I, I, Yeah, you, you used to talk to him. You ever talk I to used, him anymore? I used, no, I don't. I, used, I knew Trump before he ran for the presidency. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. He was a huge sports fan. He used to throw a lot of events um, at, 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 you know, at, at his casinos and stuff like that. And I genuinely liked him. I didn't know who this guy was running for president. Um, I think he's changed. But I will tell you this. I think when people call him racist and stuff like that, I've never thought of Trump that way. It's not, he's not against black people. He's against all things not named Trump. <laughs> Do you There's ever- a difference. Oh, listen, two things that he says in there. I knew him before as if to know just because you knew him and you were friendly with him and you had conversations with him that you understood all aspects of Trump. And if you knew him before, that you would know his long history of racism prior to him running for the presidency. You don't know him. You have just been in circles with him. And even if you did know him, that doesn't excuse the fact that he's a racist. I hate when people do that. Also, he says he's against, he's not, Trump is not a racist. He's against anything uh, that's not Trump. Okay. I am tired of people not calling racism what it is. I am tired of people being afraid to label somebody as a racist. Trump is a racist. You don't have to be running around shouting the N-word, but if you have this history, your policies, certain things that you said, because Stephen A. Smith says it's not Black people, it's, he's just against everybody, 
or that's not him. Yes, he's offended and said racist things against a number of groups outside of Black people. Trump is a racist. And what I would encourage Stephen A. Smith or anybody who gets on a stage and says, oh, Trump, I knew Trump before, or Trump's, Trump is different now. He's not different. He just has a bigger platform, more power, and a louder microphone. He's the same person. He's been doing racist things since the 70s, whether it be in business, whether it be taking an ad out against, um, in the, in whatever the publication is. What is the publication in New York? I don't say the wrong thing. Uh, I think it was the New York Times. Okay, fine. Taking, it was the, it was the it Times out. or the Daily News or the Post, one of them. Yeah. Okay. Taking an ad out in New York, whatever it is, getting on the mic and saying highly racist things about various groups of people. Trump is a racist. And I don't understand, as much as I like Stephen A. Smith, I don't understand why you would take the opportunity to low-key be giving an opportunity to defend him, almost make excuses for him. No, you didn't outright do it. Yeah, you made the audience laugh when you said he's just against anybody who's not Trump, but it's dangerous to not specifically call out exactly the problem with Trump, especially as he's gearing up to run for election. And another thing, if you don't want to call Trump racist, the at the very least, you can say he emboldens a, a racist audience. They're racist. They do racist things. And those are the people who are his fans and are following him to the end. Those are the people who are voting for him. At the very least, you could call that out. Uh, so a couple of things. Just a, Rachel laid out the case for Trump uh, being a racist very well. Obviously, there's birtherism, which was a racist trope about Barack Obama not being born uh, here in the United States. And Trump was at the forefront of that. He called mm -hmm. COVID Kung Flu. Um, it Trump's racism has been a part of his life that people didn't see until the magnifying glass on him uh, was a little bit closer and also until he started to let it out a little bit more. But Donald Trump's associations um, in terms of who he protects, uh, in terms of who, as the president of the United States, he refused to disavow. He pretended like he didn't know who David Duke was. And the only reason why he did that was because he did not want to disavow David, du David Duke's support because he didn't want to mm -hmm. turn off people that might be supporting him. There's more than enough evidence uh, that Donald Trump is a racist. He's sown racial division. Um, hate crimes were up uh, almost 20% under the leadership of Donald Trump when he was the president. Racists think Donald Trump is a racist. <laughs> okay? Donald Trump is... Not funny, but... Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, here's the deal. Stephen A. Smith is a Republican. He's a conservative Republican. And that's okay for Stephen A. Smith. What, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this because I didn't get to double back uh, uh, with the Hannity question. I very much enjoyed my conversation with Stephen A. Smith when he was on the podcast. What I don't like or what I kind of don't appreciate is 
I think that in this in this particular situation, Stephen A is he's underestimating how much, how insulting. I mean, I know he doesn't care, but how insulting, or just kind of how disappointed it is to hear him like politically con people. You know, like everybody is wondering where Stephen A's politics are. And there was a photograph with Stephen A and uh, what was the guy from Milwaukee, Sheriff Clark or whoever that was back in the day. People were like, huh, mm. Stephen A said he didn't really know who he was. No, Stephen A's Hannity, he's cool with Hannity, he's on the things, doing all of that stuff. Um, so for me, I think more to the point now, he says he's open to voting Republican, big deal, uh, and that Donald Trump isn't a racist. And in his book, he said that Sean Hannity is right about more things than the black community would like to admit. Not that people would like to admit. Did the black community would like to admit. What is he right about? Why isn't Trump a racist? Just what's the deal? You don't normally double talk us. Like, I don't normally hear a bunch of double talk from you. But you're double talking us on this which makes it seem shadier and more sinister than it is. Sure, you're aware that your that your your popularity might take a hit from some because you're a Trump supporter, which he says he's not, and I'll take him at his word there, or because you're a conservative Republican, or for whatever reason, or that you lean right, you lean conservative, mm-hmm. whatever. It's fine. Like, it makes it feel like there's something more to it. Just fucking be you. It's pretty obvious now. Donald Trump doesn't need one black man in America to take up for him. That is completely unnecessary. And so it's just, when I saw it, I was like, huh, okay. I mean, I feel like I know what the score is, but I'm starting to wonder if like there's a bigger game being played. Are we going to pop up a year from now and see the Stephen A. Smith show, the late night show on Fox right after Gutfield. Like, what's going on? So, it, it, God, it, I, it, I mean, and, and by the way, his politics are, his politics are, that's his life. But at least, like, out with it. I feel like, especially after the Hannity situation, I don't know who does not think that Stephen A. Smith is conservative. Yeah. I'm not shocked that he's conservative. My issue is be conservative. If you want to be conservative, fine. If that's if those are your beliefs, but don't also compliment, um, do things that put up people who are racist. Sean Hannity, Trump, stop making excuses. I don't care that you knew him before. That doesn't give him a pass. That's what he was doing. Stop trying to convince us that Sean Hannity is a good guy or if he's an ally. That's the kind of stuff I have a problem with. You want to be conservative? Go be conservative. But don't also boost them up at the same time, which is what I feel like he's doing. I believe him if he says he's not voting for Trump. But he also gave, yeah, he also I mean, complimented Trump. Yeah. Uh, 1991, just to let people know, John O'Donnell, former president, of Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City quoted Trump's criticism of a black accountant. This is what Trump has. 
Black guys counting my money. I hate the only kind of people I want counting my money are short guys that wear yarmulkes, yarmulkes every day. And I think that guy is lazy. And it's probably not his fault because laziness is a trait in black, blacks. Uh, I, it really is. I believe that. It's not anything that they can control. 1997, uh, Playboy interview, Trump said, the stuff that O'Donnell wrote about me is probably true. Hmm. All right. So, guys, buckle up, buckle in. A little bit of an extra long podcast here. We have a healthy debate on the gun issue with Jason Jolly, who is a certified firearms instructor and a writer for Boston, guy that I know very well, on the other side of this break. Okay. Um, a friend of mine is on the show. I know you guys love when that happens. We do love that. <laughs> uh, Jada, they don't love it, but that's okay. <laughs> um, uh, my friends are apparently the most problematic bunch in all of the world, and we're about to add to that now. Uh, Jason <laughs> Jolly is on higher learning right now. Now, uh, he has been a boss editor since 2011. So those hilarious headlines that you see on Bossip, a lot of that comes from this man's brain, but not just that. He is a very talented and accomplished writer. He's worked on television shows. He worked on The God's Honest Truth. He's done a lot in this industry. And he is also a certified firearms instructor. Somebody who... uh, Recently, or not recently, over the last couple of years, has kind of got into um, firearms. And you know what? Before we kind of get into this discussion, why don't you tell us, Jason, thank you for joining us on Higher Learning, um, sort of your journey with sort of being in the firearms community. So I don't have any, like, I didn't grow up with guns. Like, I think my dad had a shotgun or something like that back in the day when I was little, but it wasn't a thing we ever saw. I just knew he had it. Um, yeah. Growing up, I don't have any, I wasn't an armed professional. I wasn't a cop. I wasn't in the military. So my interactions with firearms were pretty much what I see on TV and movies. And my, I had an uncle, my, well, not I had an uncle. I have an uncle who worked security for Brinks. Um, a long time ago. So I would see him, when we go over to their house, I would see him in the basement, you know, taking his guns apart, cleaning them, that kind of thing. He took a shooting one time when I was little. And short of that, that's about it. Um, around the time I turned 30, I told myself I should buy a gun just because I just felt like grown men should have at least a pistol or something. But I also just kind of bullshit it because I'm not a type of person that finds themselves in bad situations. I never really had a need for a gun. I never had any violent confrontation. So I was kind of just passive about it. And in 2020, like estimated 8 million other people, as COVID lockdown started, as you know, the summer protests kicked off, it was kind of like, all right, I bullshitted long enough. Like, let me get right. And it's what it's what I call the Noixie awakening that I had that I think a lot of other black people had. And Noixie is basically an acronym amongst gun people. Um, there's a saying that no one is coming to save you. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the realization that I had and a lot of other people had during that time was that if everything goes left, you know, what would you do right now if things really, really got out of control? 
And I'm not, you know, a conspiracy theorist, but I was just putting my safety at the top of the list at that point. You know, I was, I spent most of the pandemic with my parents. So they're older people. And I know that they don't really have the capacity to necessarily defend themselves in that same kind of way. And I just wasn't going to sit around and just let things happen to us. Your motivation for getting involved with really heavily involved with guns is based off of 2020. So you could almost say it was it was racially motivated, right? To, to, to some degree. I mean, like I wasn't buying guns because a lot of people bought guns because they were scared of the protest and like the civil unrest. I wasn't worried about civil unrest. A, I'm in the suburbs of Atlanta. The civil unrest can happen anywhere. I'm not going to be that glib about it. But at the same time, like I knew we were good from that standpoint. They weren't going to protest in Dunwoody, Georgia. But the reaction to the protest was somewhat disconcerting because it was in the middle of, you know, election cycle. And it was like there was an obvious pushback against what was going on with Black Lives Matter and, you know, the the back to blue and all that kind of thing. I just wasn't going to just take it the chance that conservative white folks who really felt a way about what was going on might not try something. So, like, you know, I guess you can take that as it is, but I mean, that's that was more my reason for it than worried about protesters and that kind of thing. What, when I, when you and I talked and we talked a couple of weeks ago, um, and we talked about sort of what you feel like, uh, are people basically talking past each other on the gun debate? Mm -hmm. Um, what you feel like doesn't get said when their conversations about the place of firearms in American culture, or quite frankly, the issue of gun violence in America. You feel like people are getting the conversation a little bit wrong. Like, tell me a little bit more, tell us all a little bit more uh, about how you feel about that. Well, I mean, I think the, the bottom line is, is that the conversation is very polarized at this point. And I'll say, let me start this by saying this. I think that most of the people, honestly, on both sides are arguing in good faith. Most of them. I'm not going to say all of them, obviously, because there are people who, you know, take advantage or just, you know, grandstanding or what have you. But I think most people honestly feel how they feel about it. And it's not, uh, it's not an attempt to, uh, to convince or, or to treat people as if they don't know, uh, what they're talking about, or it's not a scam. I don't think it's just the, as easy as saying we're just sticking to our blue and red teams and just saying, you know, walking the party line. Um, but I think the thing that is missing is like a real, a real conversation about what is going on and why people feel how they feel. Um, from the, I would say from the left side of things, I think the politically untenable thing position to take is that, you know, banning guns. Like the idea of banning guns, I don't think any Democratic uh, candidate would come out and say, I want to ban guns. In fact, when you watch most of the interviews, whether it's the president or anyone else, um, they say, you know, I don't want to ban guns. I believe in the Second Amendment, but and then they run down their, you know, reasons for why they feel what they feel. Um, I think on the right side of things, the part that's missing is like empathy. Like, you know, I get that on the right side, on the conservative side, it's distrust of the government. And I'm not, and honestly, from the left side too, to some degree, I mean, black people have a reason not to trust the government or the police, but uh, this idea that gun control is just uh, government tyranny 
and politics. It's as simple as government trying to control your lives. Well, the real fact of the matter is that people are scared. People have watched children die in schools. They have a, a, all the right in the world to feel how they feel about it. Whether we totally agree on what the solution to that is or not is another conversation, but they have a right to how they feel. It's not a scam. It's not just something to say, well, I'm, I want to take away your freedom. People don't want to see their children die. And as people who are in gun culture, people who are um, avid about shooting, if we're willing to drop a body for the people that we love and protect them, then people who aren't into guns will definitely just cast a vote for the person that they support as a politician to, you know, fix this problem. So I don't think that it's I don't think that it's people arguing in bad faith or people who are against the Constitution or against a, a freedom or whatever, you know, uh, hyperbole talking points come up in the conversation. I just think people don't have the empathy for people who actually truly are traumatized and want to fix the problem. And it's nuanced. It's not just as easy as saying either you're for guns and you hate kids and you don't care about kids or you're anti-guns and you are the most caring and empathetic individual in the world. And I, and just to kind of set the stage, because I, I, I want to be clear, too, because Van mm. has mentioned that he, you know, has friends that are, he's a gun owner. He mm. has friends that are gun owners. Where do you stand um, in regards to what you think about? uh I guess as far as are you for stricter policies or in laws in regards to gun control? Are you fine with the way that things are right now? I mean, I know it's different from state to state. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand when it comes to, you know, your two uh, Second Amendment rights? Uh, I believe that if you are not uh, way, there's a lot of gun control laws that are already on the books that are supposed to address these things like prior to the rise of mass shootings and you know the media coverage surrounding them like the gun laws that existed there wasn't such talk about the gun laws aren't working even in years when crime was up or things like that you know when you fill out when you go to buy a gun from a gun store you have to fill out a 4473 it asks you a lot of questions about your mental capacity and things of that nature um so I believe there are already a lot of gun laws on the books that should probably just be enforced if people are sliding through the cracks. But if you're not a violent felon, if you're not a sexual abuser, if you're not a predator of children, if you don't have a history of uh, violence or criminal, criminal activity, I believe you should be able to buy what you want to buy. Um, I think that if you show, I mean, I, I don't know what other standard we have to show that this person is a forthright person. Um, so I believe you should be able to buy, you know, whatever pistol or whatever rifle that you want to buy to exercise your rights. I don't think that it really makes that much of a difference. Um, but there obviously were loopholes in the situation, like, you know, the boyfriend loophole where certain, you know, if you weren't a spouse or you weren't married to pers a person, but you abused them in some kind of way that, you know, you could still get a gun. Um, there aren't background checks for private sales in certain places. Uh, gun shows is mainly what the national conversation surrounds is closing the loopholes for, for gun shows and things like that. But I think 99% mm -hmm. of the people who purchase guns aren't criminals or mass murderers. And the system that we have in place right now, as it stands, if it's enforced and enforced fairly, it should be fine. Hmm. Uh, when you say buy guns, uh, do you, 
is, that includes the AR-15 plan. Correct. Okay, explain to me what you think the usefulness of that platform is uh, for uh, an average American citizen. The usefulness. Well, I mean, it's a it's a gun just like a pistol is a gun. I mean, if you're trying to defend yourself, you're not going to really walk around public with an AR-15. It's not a weapon that you can really conceal in that kind of way. It's mostly a, a home defense type of weapon. Um, some people tra- travel with rifles in their trucks. Uh, what they would call a truck gun, and they'll have a, a rifle, or AR-15, you know, maybe in a, a bed of their truck or a lockbox in their truck or things of that nature. But as far as usefulness, it's a gun like every other gun is. I don't, to me, when it comes to guns, I think that, like, if I pull out a chart of guns and say, show me which gun you would rather be shot with, I, my answer would be none of them. So for me, it's not really that much of a difference between an AR-15 and a pistol. However, I will say from the political side of it, from the, you know, the marketing side of it, it's easy to use the AR-15 as kind of a straw man, as the platform that people should fear because it's big, it's scary, it looks like a machine gun. Most people think it's an automatic weapon. You know, most people just don't have gun knowledge. Um, But the AR-15 is... A, a pretty standard weapon, a pretty standard firearm that it works just the same as a pistol mechanically. But it's the civilian version of the M16 rifle, is it not? Correct. It it's, a, a it's, it's a semi-automatic version of the M16 that would be, or M4 carbine that would be used in military, which is an automatic weapon, which, ba- which means so, you pull the trigger and it fires until you release the trigger, as opposed to semi-automatic pull the trigger one time, you get one round. And for each time you pull the trigger, you get one round. That's the civilian. So what I would say, and I'm asking you as a gun enthusiast and an expert, the AR-15 is a version of a gun that was made specifically for war. When we're talking about the M16, that was the sidearm, uh, excuse me, that was the rifle for a Marine. I think it came into being in the 50s. Uh, or whatever, maybe even before then, the M16 is a rifle that the United States military used for purposes of war. And the AR-15 is, I guess, the consumer version of that weapon. Correct. This is what I would say. This is what I would say. All guns are meant to shoot something, kill it, right? But in my opinion, um, the way that the gun kills depends on how many people you want to kill with the gun, Right. If you if you if you want to kill somebody with a shotgun, there is a, a scope that that weapon can affect. If you want to kill somebody with a pistol, there's a scope of damage that that weapon can affect. Now, if you get John Wick or somebody like maybe yourself, who I seen your videos on Instagram with a bang bang bing 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 all of that, then uh, you know mileage may vary. But in terms of this gun, what we've seen is that people with not a high degree of firearms training. Mm-hmm. They're in no way, we're not talking about necessarily ex-military. They're able to buy that gun mm-hmm. and operate it like a lethal iPhone. When you pick your iPhone up, the iPhone is so intuitive that it tells you how to use it. Mm-hmm. The, the AR-15 is such a simple killing machine that you can almost grab one, insert yourself into a situation and then be such a threat that the cops won't fuck with you, which is what happened in Uvalde. 
Well, those cops are cowards. Like that, I don't think that even. I mean, and I hear I ain't having to defend police, but like that's Uvalde cops. And the reason that was such a big deal is because most cops we've never seen that before, where cops just don't engage. You have the same weapons they do. It happened in Parkland. Studies have shown that having somebody actually there with a gun to defend you is not sufficient because in a lot of these situations, like the cops are outgunned. Now, I think these cops are cowards, but at the same time, the big scary rifle that you're talking about, they see it too. And they know what it could do. And they're not trying to fuck with you with their Glock. They're getting out. The Durant, Durant, the Durant Institute did studies. There have been studies about whether or not armed security actually deters somebody from a mass shooting. And it really doesn't. And in the case when there's a, a long rifle, they get scared and they run away. The, 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 yeah. the gun's a weapon of war. Well, I mean, the cops just used the same AR-15 to kill the guy that robbed the bank in Louisville yesterday. The cops, there's a, there's a viral video of that circulated crazy of a cop. I don't even know where this was, but he was responding to a, a shooting. He put his coffee down in his cup, got out of his truck, grabbed his rifle, and sent one shot, put the shooter down. So, I mean, the cops are, there's a lot of cops who are using these same rifles to put down a lot of criminal threats. So, I mean, uh, granted, there are plenty of outliers for every condition we can come up with, but the cops are using these weapons to put down criminals in all kinds of places. Would you like to see school resource officers uh, on campuses with AR-15s? Personally, I don't know. That, I don't want school resource officers necessarily, necessarily walking the halls of schools, but I think I don't have any problem with getting two badass motherfuckers in two trucks to just be on rolling around the campus. Like, I don't know if school resource officers are always the same level of uh, training or the same level of, of qualification as, you know, other types of armed professionals who may be more apt based on experience and training to really deal with some real bad shit. But I don't understand why there shouldn't be armed security at schools at this point. Um, and I'm not saying that's the end all be all answer of it, but what what would be, I don't know about arming teachers necessarily, because I think that introduces a lot of other potential problems, but real security officers, I don't, I don't see what the, what the issue would be. But I mean, I'm, I'm open to hear like pushback from that. I want to go back to something you said about on the Republican side, they need to have empathy. Mm -hmm. I think that they need to have more than empathy. And for you to say that they have to have empathy, I'm wondering what what is it that that looks like? Because when I listen to you talk about some of the laws that are in place for gun control uh, or policies for gun control, people seem to be slipping through the cracks when it comes to mental health. They seem to be able to get guns, even though they have a history of mental health. Not every state has the red flag laws. Uh, criminal background checks aren't sufficient in several states. And so it seems that the laws that are in place aren't, because when you talk about having a gun, you're talking about being a responsible gun owner. Correct. But what we're seeing over and over again is that people are having these type of weapons and are not responsible gun owners. So when it comes to the Republicans who seem to be so anti more gun control laws, you're saying they need to have empathy. What does that mean? And what does that even look like? Well, what it looks like is probably not going to be, I don't think that you're going to get Republicans to change their position on legislature based off empathy. 
I don't I don't see that happening from from their side of it. And like I don't really um I don't really relate to conservative politics. Like I don't I think a lot of it is bullshit. But um they stand for what they stand for. I don't see anything about that changing. Um when I say empathy though, I think it's just the way they talk about these things and the way they talk about people who are anti-gun people or things. It's just, you know, I to me, there's a hip- there's hypocrisy behind it because they'll talk about in one hand how, you know, the mainstream media is dividing people and they're tearing apart the country with the mainstream media narratives and things like that. But like a lot of times it's not the mainstream media. It's you. It's them. It's people saying things and talking about situations in a way that doesn't really reflect humanity of others. And I don't think that when it comes to solving the issue, if both parties are going to have to agree on something, I don't think that such a, um, I guess, like a, a crude or a rude or disrespectful view of the conversation is going to lead anybody anywhere. It'll just be more stalemates forever. So you said something earlier that that I'm going to come back to and making the point that I'm going to make, and I'll see what you feel about this. Um, you said that you feel like both sides are arguing in good faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to believe that, but I don't think that it's true. And so, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. It's, so there is being anti-gun as an emotional and political mindset. And then there's being anti-problem, which is analyzing real life and what the safety of the average American citizen is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're anti-gun, you're a pacifist, you don't believe in weapons. They scare you. You see the carnage that they do. You go, I'm anti-gun, don't want to have anything to do with it. If you're anti-problem, then what you say is, hey, gun violence in America is a problem. How do we solve it? How do we solve it? And it's a problem just as teen pregnancy was a problem back in the day. Teen pregnancy was a problem, right? It's a big deal. It's not a big deal anymore in America. Teen pregnancy was a big deal. Uh, just talks about it, discuss it, all of this stuff. It's not a big deal People because they solved it, be- it or is it not a big deal because it's just not the hot button issue that it was at one point? It's not a big deal because the percentages have gone way down. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, and there's a reason. There's a reason why the percentages have gone way down and that reason is because people were like, you know what we should do? We should talk to kids about this and put condoms in the school. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, oh my God, well, how can we talk about sex and give condoms to kids? Like, how can we do that? Like, how can that happen? You know what? Despite their cultural sort of uh, 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 protest, protesting, mm-hmm. despite, despite the fact that that was a change that made their sort of... Uh, their morals or whatever they said that injured them a little bit, it worked. Despite what they felt is what I'm trying to say. Right. Despite how you feel, there's an answer to a question and or, or to a problem, a solution to a problem, should I say. And in this one right here, we're, we're, this is not about guns. This is about gun violence. And it's not just about the gun violence that affects people in mass shootings. Those are the big posters. Those are the singles. I'm talking about the deep cuts, mm-hmm. just guns everywhere. And so when you say that there's a side that's arguing and both sides are arguing in good faith, I, I, I don't see how we could, I don't see how we could believe that now 
when their bodies being stacked up everywhere, when people are getting killed all over the place, and there is absolutely, from my perspective, zero initiative, zero uh, want by one side to solve it at all. They say shall not be infringed in the Constitution in perpetuity, don't matter what, touch my gun, I'll blow your head off. Of all the things that aren't, that, that are the answer, we know that that's not it. We know that we have to do something. So when I'm looking at a group of people and they don't want to do anything, my question is, how could they possibly be acting in good faith? Well, I'll be more clear. The people who I think are arguing good faith are more probably the citizens than the politicians. So I think that's two sides of it as well, too, right? Like okay. most of the people, yeah. like when, when Beto O'Rourke says, yes, I'm hell yeah, I'm coming for your AR-15. Hell yeah, I'm coming for your AK-47. He's talking to people who haven't, who aren't violent felons. He's talking to people who haven't committed the crimes. He's talking to people who haven't, done harm to people with their guns. And so I, I understand the idea that that is probably going to make someone defensive when that's the con- when, when that's the conversation. I get it. Because as a black person who owns guns, my question would be, well, okay, if these, when you say gun owner, you know, the, the avatar is like some country white guy in a flannel shirt who has 10 million guns. Well, as someone who's been involved in gun culture for a little while and, and kind of met people and talked to people that I probably normally wouldn't kick it with in that kind of way, um, I'm more concerned about the aggrieved 20-something-year-old who just bought an AR-15 six months ago than the guy who has 50 AR-15s and 10,000 rounds of ammo in his house. The politi- So what do you do about that guy? The, the the guy who who just bought an AR the aggrieved guy who just bought the gun. I mean, I'm, I'm you're well, right. I'm scared of that well, guy well, too. So well, what do you do question. about it? Well, well, that well that leads me to the part where it gets complicated. And I don't really ha- I don't have a definitive answer for you as far as like what to do. But what I'll say is this: How, Do we when we start getting into the realm of playing Minority Report about who is going to be the next shooter and what kind of person is going to be the next shooter and basically trying to cut them off at the pass and say you know. We're going to use, you know, if you have, uh, obviously, if you have like a serious mental health problem or you have self-harm ideation or you said things about violently hurting other people, then yeah, like someone needs to come get you and needs to put you somewhere and separate you from your weapons so that you don't hurt people. That's what you're saying out loud. But I guess my question would be a lot of these people in the last few shootings, every single one of them, they say the shooter bought this gun legally, the shooter bought this gun legally, the shooter bought this gun legally. So I guess my question is like, how would you, and not to answer a question with the question, but how would you go about picking out who's going to be the next top bad guy? I don't have an answer for that. I don't. I don't know what that answer looks like in in a, in a realistic sense. But I think that that's the issue. The shooter bought the gun legally. Why should the shooter, especially if there's, because in some of the the most recent interviews, it's been a mental health issue. Why is that person allowed to? Should they go through a proper training to have a certain type of assault rifle? Should there be more strict backgrounds? Because my thought is, say in the same way 
that we've seen technology advance and, and specifically even social media. And there are constantly these lawsuits or things that come up in the court system where the law has not caught up with the way that we're progressing with technology. Mm-hmm. There's not an answer for it. Would you say that same thing for guns? Because gun culture, I would say, is increasing. And is the policy up to date with the current gun culture? Well, I would say that there's, for me, I think there's a very, very huge difference between gun culture and mass shooter violent criminals. And I think part of the issue is that we've pretty much lumped everybody together. Like there's no separation between a person who is a law abiding citizen like myself, who isn't violating anybody and and gun culture and what that means to when you say that word in the the narrative of the public scope. Because gun culture to most people means like, here's a group of people that can't wait to murder somebody. They can't wait to shoot somebody. They're so hyped to, to shoot people and kill people. And I just don't think that's the case. I think most of the people that own guns, who shoot guns, who are shooters, who go train, they don't want any trouble. They're, they're, they're normally the people who we find doing these things aren't the people who are part of quote unquote gun culture or the gun nuts. Because my, my question is, what do, I guess the question also would be, what does that make me as a, as a black person who owns guns? Am, am I the next gangster? Am I the next animal? Am I the next super predator? Because I own certain types of guns. I just I think, like, like I'm just saying, like it, it, it's a, it's. I know people don't so, want to hear so, this, and this is going to piss off some no, no, people no, no, on the no, left no. and the right. But like, I don't know no, be, what the answer to that is. So this is what I would tell you. I don't think that it's society at large, or even the left, that's lumping you guys all in with the crazy murderers and the people like you. That. Don't think so? I nope. I, think I don't think so. Okay. I think it's you guys. Or the gun culture people, not you, John. Me and John. No, 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 yeah, no, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but I think it's the gun culture people. And let me tell you why. It's because when we talk about the specific issue, when we say, hey, perhaps not this gun, or perhaps this should be a standard to own this, or perhaps we should have this law, it's the gun culture community, the two-way community, whatever, that circles the wagons and they say no. They actually put themselves in a very close proximity to dangerous, disgusting things that happen because the inability to actually meet the moment and have a conversation about stuff makes it seem like everybody is together. It makes it seem like you can't separate yourself from the people who are doing these things. And let me tell you what I mean. Let, 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 let me go a little bit further here. What you just said earlier, uh, somebody who doesn't say these things out loud, somebody who doesn't espouse that they want to hurt or kill somebody, somebody that doesn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. You're describing in great detail essentially red flag laws. And you're uh, you're describing the... Uh, uh, society's ability to say, hey, this person right here is presenting themselves as a danger to society and there should be some sort of societal or judicial mechanism to determine whether or not this person is capable of having this gun right now. So we got to go in, remove that person from their weapon. That to me seems completely logical. It seems completely logical that if somebody says, you know what, I'm going to go to the mall today and start killing niggas. 
That's what I'm going to do. It seems completely logical to go and say, hey, maybe that person doesn't need to have a gun right now. Take the gun, have the hearing, the whole deal. You can't even get the gun culture slash two-way slash whatever community to agree that that's a good idea. They won't give at all. They won't give on the weapon because what we're talking about right now, we can talk about as many different scenarios as we want. We can. Schools have been hit. Malls have been hit. Festivals have been hit. Shopping markets have been hit. Everything has been hit. And everything has been hit. The only common denominator in the entire situation are the guns. So until we have a real conversation from a, a standpoint of wanting to solve a problem about that, we will get nowhere. And what we'll do is this. We'll say, you know what? This is a part of who we are. Like every once in a while, you're going to turn on your TV and 15 going to be dead. And to me, look, <laughs> I get it. I understand. But, but to me, that's fucking insane. No, it's it got right, right. Is no, it's insane as hell. But let me let me let me back up to to one thing though. Like, the, I I don't know. I don't really like the idea that people in gun culture are putting themselves in proximity to the evil based off of what they're saying about about the guns. Like to me, that feels unfair because what I was just saying was that. People are all being lumped together. And you're saying, well, it, it's the people who aren't doing anything that are basically contributing to their own demise of being in- integrated with, with, with evil. And I don't think they're the same thing. I think that when you are a, a part of gun culture, the people are, I don't think people are going to, I mean, you said you don't think the people are being lumped together. I don't see it that way because I don't hear the conversation be nuanced in any way, shape or form. I just hear, here are people who are for guns, here are people who are against guns, and when a shooting happens, someone has to say something, or someone has to basically um, agree that they should be stripped of whatever process they need to have to have their guns or have their guns taken away from them because someone did something evil. And that's, I, I think that's a tough, I think that's a tough ask. I mean, because it would be like that with anything. I think if and I know people don't like comparisons and I don't want to make a comparison of one tragedy to another tragedy. But if there was some other situation, that, whether it's alcohol or whatever it is that was that's killing people and someone said, well, you are not responsible enough to have that many Chardonnays and every car needs to have a breathalyzer. And we need to do this because we just don't trust this society anymore. You all have run amok with drinking and everyone's drinking and driving. I don't know that that is the answer really to the problem. I mean, the low estimate is that there's 425 million guns in America, and that's probably really low. Most of those guns aren't AR-15s. Most of the killings that happen don't happen with AR-15. But we're talking about trying to remove AR-15s from society. Okay, great. So after you do that, when Dylan Roof walked in Mother Emanuel Church and killed nine people, he did it with a Glock pistol. Joe Biden wants pistols to be limited to 10 rounds well if pistols are limited to 10 rounds and someone goes and kills six people seven people no one's going to get on news the next day and say our gun control is working because 10 people could have died and instead it was only seven 
That's just not going to happen. And realistically, again, I know this is something that people don't want to hear and it's politically untenable for any politician or candidate to say, but really, what are you going to do about the guns that are already in society that you would be worried about people using to do harm? I did, the ATF only has but so many officers. The local police officer only have but so many officers. They're not going to knock on doors and take all of these guns from people. And to be honest with you, even the attempt of that would cause a huge, huge problem, maybe even on a scale that is bigger than the problem we already have. If you try to trust, like what Justin Trudeau did in Canada, where there's no, you can't buy a pistol, you cannot possess a rifle, you cannot ship parts, you cannot do anything. All guns and all gun parts and the whole thing is locked down in Canada. I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those people. It's going to be what it is, but that would be a very huge problem. And politicians know that the way they talk about gun control is very triangulated because they know what they can say and what they can't say and what would be a problem and what wouldn't be a problem. They know that. Um, a couple of things to what you just said. I think that if one, I think that you talk about it moving forward and not necessarily stripping people from the guns that they already have. Two, I don't think that anybody who is saying that we need to have more strict laws is saying that there won't be people who still commit mass shootings. The hope is to reduce it by making having more laws in place that will either prevent people or make people not want to go out and commit that. But I think mm-hmm. what something that, that Van was saying is that people do lump themselves in with what happens with, with the rights, not the rights, but what happens with these mass shootings, because what, what happens is a shooting happens and then they're like, well, you can't take our guns away as if they are affected by what happened with the mass shooting. And I, my question to you is what, How much would it infringe on your rights if they said no assault rifles? You'd still be able to to have guns. You'd still be able to use it for whatever purpose you you retain guns in the first place. Why? How much would that infringe on your Second Amendment right to be told you can't have this type of gun or you have to have this law in place? Because if you're a responsible gun owner, you're a responsible gun owner. So you shouldn't care if you have to have five background checks or have to have five courses of training or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, if the purpose is to be a responsible gun owner and possess them, how is that infringing on your Second Amendment rights? And that seems to be the pushback from responsible gun owners, from people who aren't doing anything and putting themselves with the people who are committing those huge mass shootings. Um, Well, I think... One of the issues is that people generally don't trust the government. And that's just a thing that, you know, whether you're left or right or whatever the case is, I think people feel like that type of power will be abused. Um, I mean, as a as a black person, like, honestly, my question would be like, I'll give you an example. Um, H.R. 127 was a bill that was sponsored um, by, uh, the, I don't know why I'm blanking on this, this is his name. Um, Fozzie Bear. <laughs> no, the senator, the senator from uh, Kentucky, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee. That's what I was Sheila Jackson Lee. Now, the HR 127 wanted um, mandatory insurance, mandatory 24 hours of training, mandatory psych eval, and the ability of the psych evaluation to question your, any spouse you have now or ex spouse, anyone who lives in your home, 
and two or three people, you know, friends or close people to the family to interview to basically get all these people to vouch for you. Now, I guess in theory, that sounds to most people like, okay, fine, it's no big deal. And I don't think personally I would have a problem passing that because I don't think that I have any skeletons in my closet or any type of abuse. But I guess the question would be the purpose of the law isn't to, the purpose of the law is to keep people from buying guns. Like, I don't, I can't pretend that it's only there to kind of weed out the baddies. Like, again, if you tried to ban the Second Amendment or you tried to say, we're going to, you know, ban pistols, and then never mind AR-15, we're going to ban handguns because these are the guns that kill the most amount of people, which to me is logically the thing that you would really want to be doing if that's what the goal is to really minimize the amount of shootings. It would say ban handguns. They can't say ban handguns because they know to a lot of people that would sound crazy. But um, but people don't trust that that's going to be a thing. People don't trust that that's going to happen equally and fairly. Who's going to get Who's going to get denied? Jamal and Jerome. Who's going to get the guns? Ethan and Eric. <laughs> like it's black people. Like seriously, like the war against the war on drugs. Who did that shit on? The war on terrorism. How many Muslim people were violated and assaulted because of the war on terrorism? Because people were scared of who's going to do what and who's going to be what. I'm really only talking about this, honestly, from a black person's perspective. Like, I'm not going to beat you over the head with the Constitution. Like, the Second Amendment is the thing that allows me to own the guns I own and to get on this beloved platform and say the things that I'm saying right now. But that piece of paper was written by crackers who owned slaves who wasn't thinking about my black ass when they wrote it. Or they were, let me take that back. They were thinking about my black ass when they wrote it because they said I was only three-fifths of a person. They right. said I couldn't have guns mm-hmm. because they were afraid that slaves were going to uprise and, and take them over. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like, I understand that when we're talking about this, we're talking about it from the standpoint of stopping these mass shootings and things. And I think that's the righteous thing. Like, you're not my enemy. Anyone who has an opposing view is not my enemy. But as a black person, I have a righteous historical legacy to stand on. When it comes to not trusting the government, not believing the police can save me from any type of violent attack, and just the the standpoint that we're not that far removed from, we're not removed at all, really, but we're not that far removed from a time when people like us were in danger. They killed Martin Luther King in 1968. That ain't really that long ago. Like, if you're a marginalized person in America right now, I would personally, like, my little brother is gay. and We've talked about this conversation. He lives in L.A., and I'm telling him, like, I know California isn't a gun-friendly state, but like, do what you have to do to get your license and get a pistol. Because there's no way in hell I'll be walking around in 2023 as a trans person and not have a firearm. I see how these people talk about these people. And I would not feel comfortable at all that someone isn't going to try to do something to me because God told them that I can't exist or God told them I'm going to hell or anything like that. Like, and with some of these laws that are being proposed, specifically with the HR 127, by the time you pay for 24 hours of training, most firearms classes are two to three hours, 150, 200 bucks. They want 24 hours mandatory. That's to, to get the ammo and take the classes alone is going to cost you $2,000. Then you have to buy a pistol. Then you have to buy a safe. Then you have to buy a holster. So to buy a pistol in America for a black man, a black woman, a marginalized person is going to cost $4,000. I understand the problem, but I'm, I don't feel that that's a fair thing. Like you can't price people out of that. I just don't feel like it's right. Hmm. John, that was one of the most well-stated and eloquent straw men 
that I have ever heard before in my life. Let's go back to a couple of things here. Okay. Number one, we talked about alcohol. Mm-hmm. You can't walk around with an open container. You can't drink till you're 21, unless you're in Vegas. Well, some places right? you can, but. So, but most places you can't walk around with an open container. You can't drink until you're 21. Mm-hmm. You can't drink while you have an open container while you're in your car. There's a certain level of alcohol that you can't have. You can't be publicly intoxicated in a lot of places. That, my friend, is a crime. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is something that people do for fun. But entities all over the country recognize that if unchecked, it has the potential to be dangerous in myriad ways. You cannot have sex with a woman if she is drunk because she has lost her mental capacity to consent. Alcohol is something that people do all over the country, all over the world, but it is something that has the potential to be destructive. Therefore, there needs to be rules. But the there are any really alcohol. rules on alcohol. I, go, I, go to I bars, just gave you a bunch of them. I go to bars every let, single weekend. Let, and when I go to bars, you know what I see outside of bars? Parking lots. And you know what's in parking I, lot? Cars. And everyone in that yeah, parking I, lot is going to drive home. I'm not, I'm not saying what you just described two different things. What you just said is that people break rules. I didn't say that people don't break rules. People are going to break rules no matter how they, how they, what form they come in. Mm-hmm. I said that there are rules, right? That there are rules. There, there, there are definitely rules to something that people think could be dangerous. A car is not, is not inherently dangerous. Correct. But there's a process you have to get through to make sure that you're qualified to drive it, a plane, whatever. The only difference in all of these things is that none of them are expressly written in the Constitution as a right. There are other things that are mm-hmm. that you have to that you have to register for, like voting, okay, which is something that is expressly in the Constitution as a right, and yet you still must register to do it. But I'm just letting you know, I digress. Let me tell you what I'm the 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 real uh point of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that you that you said, and I understand your perspective, and I and, and I get it, and I respect you. Got one of the biggest brains that I know, but a lot of stuff that you said prior to that existed in the hypothetical. What will happen if? What will happen if we ban this gun? Mm-hmm. What will happen if this happens? What will happen if that happens? Hey, well, how far can we go? How far are they going to go? What is the government going to do? Right? I did not see the two A community defend Philando Castile. Very very little at all. That that was who was a legal gun owner that was killed by the state in a situation to where if 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 it was really all about going to war with the government, a bunch of people should have went up there and banged it out with the cops. 100%. They didn't do that. They're not going to do because that. that's not what this is about. All right, that's not what this is about. Something else. There's data on this. Hardcore facts. In 1994, there was an assault weapons ban. Mm-hmm. Right, gun. Mass shootings went down 40%. And then they increased when that assault weapons ban was lifted. Well, this, but let's be clear about something. So, 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 so just, so just, I mean, it, like the things, the, the things that we're discussing here, it, it's not the answers that people don't like. It's the questions. And so I, look, I, I like, I'm a black man that is, was raised in gun culture, a part of it for real, mm-hmm. dog. I get it. Mm-hmm. 
when my when like my dad died, I went into a room and I looked up. It was thirty five guns, all kinds, exotic shit, zero count, uh, like like fucking zero gauges, big fucking elephant guns, the whole nine. We got a problem, and we got to figure it out. And it's gonna take give on both sides. It's gonna take understanding what the framers meant when they put into the Constitution that they wanted people to be able to have well-relegated militias. It also is going to take us understanding that not even the framers could see a time these guys were shooting muskets at each other. Not even the framers could see a time where you could stand in one place with a carbine-powered weapon of war and kill 30 people. They never heard of a bump stop. They don't know what they're talking about. Ain't none of these two-way people going to war with the government. That's bullshit. I don't believe any of that. Do I believe that these laws would be unfairly applied? Sure, what laws aren't? But that can't be a reason good enough to stop us from acting here. I'll let you have the last word. Well, what I'll say is this. Um, you can call it hypotheticals if you want to, but I think that part of how both of us <laughs> have made our money is looking at society from a, 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 a broad perspective and kind of reading the room, right? And from my personal perspective, I'm not even going to attempt this. I'm not speaking for a community. I'm just talking about me here. From my personal perspective, ban AR-15s if you want to. But when the gun problem doesn't solve itself because the AR-15 is now banned, and now the only thing left is pistols and shotguns and, and hunting rifles, A, like... I don't know if you've seen the calibers of hunting rifles. What hunting rifles can do to a person, it can be significantly worse than what an AR-15 can do to a person. Like, not as quick. A two, a, not as quick. A, I, I don't know about that, bro. Like, uh, there's hunting rifle, 308, a 308 hunting rifle that holds six rounds or, or five rounds in a, in a little magazine. Like, it's you can do very bad damage. But that's not the point. That's not really the point. Yeah. The point is, is that ban whatever you want to ban, do whatever you want to do. But my question is, in my in my estimation, none of that is going to work. To me, the toothpaste is out of the tube already, and I get it that people believe people have the right to feel that we can really change this thing. And the whole thing is like, you know, if you can just save one life, then it's then it's all worth it, and that's fine. I'm not poo pooing that. I'm not even looking at that in a sarcastic way. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that when the numbers don't, aren't really affected, because mass shootings aren't happening because of AR-15s, in 1994, America was a very different country. We are very sick. We're very, very sick right now. And, and be, I'm not talking, talking about beyond guns. I'm talking about mentality. I'm talking about the way we treat each other. Like, America's a very sick country. And the argument, the train that usually arrives about this time is, Aren't all these other countries have problems too? They have mental health problems and things like that, 100%. But America is a very sick country. And beyond these banning these specific little things and trying to make a dent and trying to make people feel safe, I don't think that's really going to change anything. And when it doesn't, then what's next? Hmm. All right. Mm. Jason, doesn't mean they can't try. That's it. It's over. <laughs> We're not talking about this no more. It's only hip hop and rap <laughs> and everything else that Ja has well, going on. Well, hold on, let me, Jason. Let, tell them what you're up to and where they can find. Let, let me just say this one quick thing too, because while you said that, I do want to mention this real quick. I right. do, like I, of myself. All of my friends own guns. I'm the only shooter. 
beyond all the political talk and all this, should we or shouldn't we? I really, really, really want black people who own guns to get education, get a trainer. Doesn't have to be me. It can be anybody. There's lots of great people out here. Maj Ture. Maj Ture, uh, my homegirl Tig from My Sister's Keeper Defense. There's lots and lots of black women who Red are into guns. Yeah. Redstone Firearms. My, my guy Ken from Perfect This Group. Uh, KD from No Other Choice. There's a lot of black firearms instructors out here. Please just get the education. Don't just have a gun and think that you're going to turn into John Wick when you're having an emergency. You do not have the skills. I promise you, you don't. It's not as easy as... Just shoot him in the knee and don't like it. It's not going to happen like that. So just please get some education. Please get a class. Please do something to educate yourself on the firearm that you may own already. Right. Just always know that you're safer running away. Anyway. If you can, run, if you can, if you can run away <laughs> uh, under, under the assumption right. that you can run away. But, <laughs> right. Right. But, yeah, but you can, oh, fi- but you can find me, <laughs> but you can find me on the Twitter at hip hop Obama. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, the, the company that I've started, uh, that I'll be teaching under, that I'll be doing content and kind of educational services is called a Good Reps. You can find me on Instagram, Brother Good Reps, if you want to find out, you know, more stuff about what I'm doing as far as the firearm space. But I'm a regular I black know. person. I'm a regular black person. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> he is a regular black I'm person. I'm a regular black this person. This is a regular black person. I'm a regular black conversation. I appreciate you <laughs> for man. joining us. No problem, bro. Thank you for Thank joining Thank you. Me. Appreciate y'all, man. I love y'all. Y'all be good. Cardi B. I'm so interested in your take on this. I'm so oh, interested why? in your take on this. Because, man, this is... Okay, so Cardi B called the Dalai Lama a predator. She was very direct and very uh, adamant. Mm-hmm. He's a predator. So her dander was up. Cardi B, this is a predator. We have to do better at educating our kids. Great message. Cardi B then got swacked up on Twitter. People were like, how can you call somebody a predator when you've admitted in the past to drugging and rape, uh, not drugging and raping, no, let me say it again. So you've admitted in the past to drugging and robbing men. Cardi B it was, it was a dancer for a while. And while she danced, she says that she would wait till after the club um, or be approached after the club by guys who wanted to use her skills as a sex worker. Then mm-hmm. whenever she went somewhere with them, she would drug them and then rob them. All right. A lot of people were saying, mm-hmm. you can't say anything about people being a predator because of your past. This is Cardi B's response to the critics. So I put the tweet up, right? I put the tweet up and now people want to come at me like, oh, bitch, you're the wrong messenger. You're the wrong messenger. Then you robbing drug men. And it's like, listen, listen, listen. Y'all not going to keep doing this because when it comes to fucking weird ass predators and rapists and pedophiles and shit, I'm really like, I'm really like, I don't play that shit. I really don't fucking play that shit. And for y'all to like trying to say that I'm like some predator or I'm some weird bitch because niggas wanted to buy pussy from me. And a lot of y'all be like, oh, these were vulnerable men you took advantage of. These were not no fucking vulnerable men. These are some freak ass niggas that like to go to the strip club. They like to get drunk. And after you go, after the fucking club is closed, they trying to fucking take advantage of bitches and trying to bargain. No, nigga. I'm going to go through them fucking pockets. And and then y'all be like, you drug and rob them. Did I touch their body? Did I touch their penis? Did I touch their ass? Did I touch them? Did I put my lips on them? No. 
no type of fucking touching. Don't confuse. And even if y'all came on, you robbed them. What's robbing and uh, robbing and, and raping is? Two different type of shit. So don't fucking call me no rapist. Don't call me no fucking predator. Don't fucking play with my name like that because I don't play that shit. And because of that tweet, people talking about like, oh, but you the wrong messenger. How am I the wrong messenger, bitch? I'm the right messenger because I'm a fucking mom. I don't know why you're so interested in my opinion <laughs> on this. To me, this is so straightforward. I, when I saw this, I was like, is it a slow day on the internet? Are people bored? I'm not condoning anything that Cardi B has done in the past. I'm not condoning the fact that she admittingly drugged people and robbed them, okay? Like straight out of the, the movie Hustlers. I'm not, I'm not excusing that. But that doesn't mean that she can't have an opinion about what the Dalai Lama did. I'm sorry. Y'all got to let it go. Everything Cardi B said is absolutely correct in regards to that. She can have her opinion. She can come at him. So she's supposed to stay silent because she herself has drugged and robbed people, which is not the same thing to being a sexual predator. And I'm not saying one thing is greater or more serious than the other. Both are problematic, but it doesn't excuse her from being able to say, hey, you guys have to watch out there for predators. Be careful who you trust your children with. Her message is correct. Whether she's a mother or whether she is not, you can't just excuse people as deities or as being perfect just because of whatever their faith is, whatever their title is. You have to watch out for people. Her message is right. Y'all need to get off Cardi. I also just feel like people just always want to come at Cardi. Do you not agree? No. Not in so the Cardi least. B can't have Cardi B can't have an opinion. That's not what I'm saying. Cardi B definitely can have an opinion, and her opinion is valid. As are the opinions of people who say maybe it's not, maybe it's best that you don't broach this. No. And by the way, That's we ridiculous. do this. We do this all the time. Like when when I say we do this all the time, like right now, if uh, if Ray Rice. Uh, came out and said, hey, let me tell you guys uh, like about how to treat your black queen. The message probably would be fine, but the fact that Ray Rice is somebody who has been abusive before wouldn't be received well. By the way, saying that somebody can't talk about a specific thing because they've done something in the past, are we really going to act like that's not what people do? The reality is this, and in the time that Cardi B was doing what she was doing, she was preying on the men that she was drugging. That is a fact. Now, she's been very forthright about it. It's something that's in her past. I don't think that there's any reason to hold Cardi B to account for the rest of her life for something that she did then. But God damn it to come on the thing and be like, yo, these people either deserve to get drugged or That's it's not, I'm not a, or, or, yeah. or, 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 or it's not that bad because I didn't touch their bodies or come on, man. Like, no, it's, she it's, it's, it's like what, what I'm saying is, come on, man. Like we, I, I get how we do it and I, I, I understand all of the, the, the stuff and that I understand there are acceptable double standards everywhere. 
everywhere. And I understand it. I don't even call them double standards. I think they are standards, right? But mm-hmm. her indignation over people bringing this up is wild to me. Like, she spent a time in her life, for whatever reason, as a predator. And to be honest with you, there are sex workers all over the world who do sex work who probably don't like the fact that she's so boastful about the fact that she used to do this because it's their job and they do it what like honestly you know what I mean so it's like it's like to me it's a whole movie about it too well so what, what does that mean I'm just saying, not that it was glorified, but I'm just saying there was a whole movie about it. I'm I'm not defending Cardi. I'm just saying you can't just put that just on Cardi. There's also a movie Hustlers that also puts that that type of similar behavior out there. It's not just but Cardi. Have, but what does that have to do with anything? Well, you're well. What you said was is that Cardi said this, and it affects sex workers. Is what you're saying? And I'm like, but there's also a movie out about it. So doesn't that affect sex workers as well? So, okay. Anyways, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. There are multiple men that have drugged and raped women. So, what difference does it make? Like, it's like I'm saying, don't (laughs) just put that. I'm saying you can't just solely put that on party. What kind of wild shit are we doing? Like, no, (laughs) she admitted that she drugged men and then robbed them. It's wrong. I'm not. I'm not. I never said it was right. I'm just saying you're putting it on. You're saying what Cardi said affects people's work. So I'm like, yeah, but there are also other f- forms of, me- of media out there that have done the same thing. I'm just saying, don't solely put it on Cardi. I'm not defending Cardi. I'm, I've said she's wrong. I'm, you're getting, I'm, I'm getting lost in it. I've said Cardi's wrong. I do not condone that type of behavior. But I do think you comparing the Ray, Ray Rice situation is more of an apples to apples than what Car- Cardi's speaking out and what Cardi did. That's not apples to apples. Like, yes, Cardi drugs people. Yes, that is predatory behavior. But what the Dalai Lama did or what she's not what specifically what he did, what she's speaking out on is about crimes against children. I don't think that it's almost this. I don't think it's the same level. I don't think that people can come at her the same way just because she has a past and did criminal behavior and 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 admitted to the things that she did. I don't think it's apples to apples. Ray Rice talking about women. And. After what he did, that's a different situation. The it's reason too why close. the reason why I put them together is because people said, or she said, that the Dalai Lama was a predator, and people are saying, "Hey, you're you have a predatory past too." Now let me tell you, I love Cardi B, love her to death, love Cardi B, everything about her, her story, uh, the music, her personality, all of it. In her response, there was an opportunity to say something like, you know what? I did do that back in the day. These are the reasons why. And it was wrong then. And it was she didn't do Has that. she never said, has she never I, in the past said that what I'm, she did was wrong? I'm, I'm talking about right now. She doubled down. And when we're talking about something like that's this serious, it's like, all right, okay, I get it. And, 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 I'm just, I'm just, all right. All right now. Okay. Shit. Love Cardi B. But Mm -hmm. come on, man. (laughs) Drugging people. It's so wrong. Can I ask you a question? Seriously. (laughs) I want you to answer honestly. All right. Is this really about, because a lot of people have defended Cardi. 
is this really about the notion or the thought somewhere that drugging men who are no. waiting to pay for sex at a strip club is not as bad? It's not that bad. No, it's bad. I, I I'm not. I don't think anybody deserves that. Well, those type of men did deserve that. Maybe. I mean, some of them were probably predators too. A lot of they them. might have been. Yeah. But her intention, without knowing that, or I'm assuming she didn't know that, her goal was to drug and rob them. And it is, mm-hmm. and she, they, she preyed on them, right? She picked out right. the man, she drugged the man, she robbed the man. Right. So, no. All right. Um. All right. Did you see the video of the hairstylist? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a one. There's a woman. Um. It, it, I posted it on my Instagram. I wonder what Rachel thinks. <laughs> Rachel gets braids, and her name is. Uh, her name is. Hold on. So all, I would like to say that the video that's posted on my Instagram, she didn't do that. Like there's kente cloth on the side of it, and they're playing like a, a Afrobeat song, and. She didn't, yeah, do, she didn't do that. <laughs> she didn't do that. She didn't she didn't do that. She didn't do that. Her name is by Rachel Lauren. I thought it was Amber, and I thought that this guy that was on Instagram that was saying that he was her boyfriend was her real boyfriend. But she's braiding up black ladies. And <laughs> the the Twitter caption was: we need to talk about, we talk a lot about African hair being sacred. Not only is this disrespectful. But it, it, it's economical suicide. A lot of black women make their money by braiding other black women's hair. SMH. You're taking money right out of those black women's pocket by supporting this type of behavior. Rachel, do you think that there's anything culturally off code by a white woman braiding black ladies' hair? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I was, I mean, I, I am going to go to somebody who's black because I just figure that's who understands my hair. And that's where I figure I can get the best quality of service. I'm not going to go to a white woman, even though I'm not going to lie. These box braids look fantastic. (laughs) Now, (laughs) they do. And you're lying Mm -hmm. if you say not. And she knew to put the oil in Mm -hmm. to soothe it. She knew to put the foam at the top. Like you do, I'm impressed. I don't think that this is uh, economically suicide or su- uh, how, what was the phrase that they use? Economical suicide. I, <laughs> that's a reach. I don't think that's that. But if you do have an issue with it, if you're offended by it, then don't go to a white braider. It's just that simple for me. I it would be hard for me to even find this white braid. I feel like we we just gave this woman way more attention than she probably had before. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about. I w- about this? About what I no, just no, said? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just gave this woman so much business by putting her out there. I would have never found this woman. I wouldn't have even known that there was a white braider. I wouldn't trust it. You could have an Instagram full of a head of, of braids. I wouldn't believe that you did it. I'm just not in the business of going to white people to do my hair. And I think most people would say that. So I think this is a reach. But more power to to Rachel. That's her name. More power to Rachel, you know, if she wants to do this and the and the girl who's letting her do her head, it wouldn't be me. Um, so I just want to point something out. You're right. It is a lot of free publicity. And because of that, I want to point out some other black hair braiders that are in the Houston area where Rachel is. New style African hair braiding and weaving. It's in Houston, Texas. They've been they have five plus years in business. Amina hair braiding. 
African hair braiding shop that's also in Houston, Texas. Five plus years in, 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 in business. She's been my only braider for the past year and I'll keep coming back. One of the, uh, one of the reviews says Aisha African hair braiding. On time, at least two braiders on assist at all times. These are all black ladies. African hair braiding by Mina provides box braids. Lady says, I love my braids. I got them done a month ago. Kawaya African hair braiding salon. Three plus years in braiding in, in business. The previous braider used too much hair. They made my head feel very heavy, but they get you right at Kawaya. <laughs> Hair braiding in Houston, braids, twists, locks, and more. Wow, African hair braiding salon. 10 plus years in business. These hair braiders know how to grow and treat your hair. They black. Sore braiding. African hair braiding. Braids shop Houston. My braiding did, my braiding did an amazing job on my style. The last one, Katie African hair braiding and weaving. This is all down there in Texas. I must say these braiders are truly talented. So I want to make sure that everybody else gets a little shine too. This is what I'll say about this. <laughs> Uh, obviously I don't really have an issue with somebody, um, braiding up the hair. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I will say this though. Mm-hmm. I've realized something about black people and it's something that as black people, we should all kind of realize. Um, uh, we are fair. Like we're fair. Like black people are a fair people. And I think that sometimes we get suffocated by fairness. Like, we're fair. Okay. If you look at the comments, of course, there are people, some, the people that don't like it. But the majority of people, black women and black men, uh, are saying, hey, if she's good at her job and she's on time and she knows how to break, <laughs> she doesn't have any crazy rules. Most of those people are saying, hey, I'll let her braid my hair. And that makes a lot of sense. That's fair. That's a fair way to look at it. Okay. Uh-huh. We live in a country that's not fair. Correct. We live in a place where everybody else isn't fair with their culture. They're not. And this is just a, a reality. They're not fair with their culture. They're not fair with their access to jobs. They're not fair with their access to, uh, to, 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 to the beauty standard. They're not fair with their access uh, to food, to any of that stuff. They're not fair about it. And they don't give a fuck how you feel. Mm-hmm. They don't. They really don't give a shit. What happens is, Rachel, who I'm sure is a dynamite person, she came on in the, in the comments of, of, of the Twitter video, of the Instagram video that I posted, told me who she really was, and that, that story that was on Instagram, uh, Twitter about her was a lie. And so I fixed it. Um, it's nothing against her, but the same people that are saying, hey, this is not a big deal, understand that if there is a magazine, Braid Tech America, and then they didn't take Rachel and put her on the cover of the magazine and make her the box braider of Houston, that won't be the first time that happened. That won't be the second time that happened. That won't be the third time that happened. Not the fourth, not the fifth, not the sixth, not the seventh, not the eighth, not the ninth, not the tenth. Never, never do people remember the originators of the dances, the cultural styles, the slang, any other stuff. We're fair, though. Honest, good work 
Even when we in the streets, they try to create a system of moral around. We're fair. They're not fair with us. They're not. They're not. And the question that I ask is, for all of the fairness and damn, let them into, like, what have we gotten for that? Like, we always lose it. Like, we all, it, Absolutely. TikTok, TikTok, rock and roll. Like, Kim Kardashian invented box braids, right? Isn't that what Vogue magazine said or something like that? Like, we always lose. Mm -hmm. So, for the people that are saying, hey, I want to gatekeep my culture, and it doesn't matter how much work she put in, it doesn't matter what she does, it doesn't matter how she is. For the people that are saying that, I'm fucking with that. Like, I I mean, I'm not going to, like, there are bigger problems than her braiding people up in Houston, but, like I'm, I get it. <laughs> like, what, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's like, all right. I, 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 I'm, I was looking through the comments of what people were saying, and I was shocked at the black women who were like, uh, "Well, if she's good at what she does, that's fine." But that doesn't mean that we. And this is now me talking. That's fine. Great. She knows how to do uh, box sprays, but that doesn't mean that we have to be employing that. I saw somebody else say, "Oh, when I go on set." It's nice because I've been on sets before where white people don't know how to do my hair. So it would be nice to have a white person who could handle black hair. Do you realize what you're really saying? Why does that have that a black person, person that can handle black hair? What the exactly. Fuck? That's the issue. You should be demanding that somebody black can do your black hair. The problem is that we aren't in these positions, not that they learn how to do what we do so they can keep us out of the jobs. That's a huge issue. I... And I and I, anybody who's also saying that you ain't gonna go go to this white lady to let her do your box braids. Nah, Stop. She, she, she going. You're up not now. doing it. Hey, go back and run back to other people. Much love to everybody. But I just let y'all know, y- y'all don't get no prize for not gatekeeping your culture. Like you, like your culture is something that's supposed to be gatekept. There's no reward for being fair with white people. I'm just being for real with you. I don't mean to sound like a dick when I say that. No, even with they, white they, people. They, there's, you're there's only no, as good as the last thing you do. There's no reward for it. And I'm going to, there's no reward for it. Anyway, all right, mailbag. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime. In. All right. The first mailback question isn't a question. Uh, Amanda Bake asks or says, no questions. Just want to wish Van a happy early birthday. Oh! So- <laughs> That's really sweet. Don't you want to say thank you? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Man? yeah thank we paused. We paused for you to respond. Gave you the space. <laughs> I, I said, oh. Thank you. All right, cool. The next one is from Caregiver. Caregiver asks, how would Bozeman describe Van and how would Copper describe Rachel if Bozeman and Copper were talking during y'all, talking about y'all during a puppy play date? Rachel, what do you think Copper would say about you? That I'm an angel. He would describe me as the love of his life. Really? (laughs) Yes. He would say, She's so amazing. That's my best friend. She saved me. I love her so much. And he would also let everybody know he came first. Because sometimes he's super protective of me, even with Brian. You know what I feel like Bozeman would say? Bozeman would be like, 
Now, let me tell you something. I got this motherfucker wrapped around my motherfucking finger, man. No. Like, he sits down and he eats. All I got to do is walk over there and look at him. Like, nigga, what's up? And I know the food's coming my way, no matter what it is. It could be from Mastro's. It could be from McDonald's. He breaking it off with me. Right, this is so easy. He would be talking to Copper. He'd be like, bro, let me tell you how to get, let me tell you how to get, this is so easy. He wakes up he in the morning. Listen. I go jump in the bed, couple of licks, a uh, 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 snuggle. When he comes home, <laughs> I go crazy. And this motherfucker buys me whatever I want. Bro, I'm living in the lap of luxury. I'm the dog. I'm the dog. And you could be too, Copper. I see your parents, your parents even got it more than my parents do. You could you could be getting more. You could be hustling out here. That's Bozeman talking to Copper. When I when I open this door, Bozeman's gonna be sitting right outside the door, and that's because really he knows cute. that that's what he got to do to get his shit off. Uh, all right, last one. <laughs> all right, last one is from my balloon. They ask, uh, you wake up and the two of you have switched places. Van, what's the first thing you do as Rachel? Rachel, what's the first thing you do as Van? Oh my god, I I, I know what Van? I'm doing. What? This is going to sound so stupid. I'm going to call Soup Kitchen. That's the first thing That's you're going to do in the morning? first act. I wake up. Oh, shit, I'm Rachel. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, I put on three or four layers of clothing. I'm not trying to see your body. And so then, and so then, I, then, I call, <laughs> then I call Soup Kitchen. I'm like, yo, what's up? How are you doing? You want to go to lunch? And he's like, wow, Rachel, this is, this is so amazing. Like, yeah. I've been waiting to really get some. Yeah, let's go to lunch. Let's go. To, come on, let's go to Toka Madeira. Or you know, let's go, oh, is let's that go. where we're going? You got you and Soup Kitchen at Toka Madeira. I'll go to Toka okay. Madeira. Well, maybe maybe I'll meet you at Toka Madeira with Harvey Levin because that, that's, that's who I'm going to wake up and call. That's what I'm talking that's about. Who, that's what I'm talking that's about. You know, who I'm waking so up. so you so and then we all at Toka Madeira, right? We all and then <laughs> we imagine. just fucking then we just fucking switch back. And it's like, whoosh. And I'm like, yo, man, what the fuck is this? And you're like, ha, ha. And you're like, look, it's Harvey. And I'm like, ah, it's Soup Kitchen. And then I just fucking flip the table over. And, and like, we just, and we laugh. We skip down Third Street, laughing and singing. That's the, that's the a, end. Of the podcast. Tell you, D caps off. Do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. Rachel, get a nap. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. <laughs> Bye, guys.